Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, layoffs at Channel 10, the inside story behind this week's biggest TV story. An executive jailed for stealing millions of dollars. And will Big Brother be a hit or a miss? We have the first reactions from the top secret screening. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to a very big edition of TV Black Box as we deal with more cuts in the TV industry. But before we get to that, I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on social media. Sarah Monaghan is with us and you can find her at Shrimp Tank on the socials. Hello, Sarah. I am good. I am at the beach. It is not the one in Florida. It is in Texas, which surprises most people that Texas has a beach, but it does. Well, there you go. You're in a condo. Yes, it's very white and it's very early. All right. Uh, we also have the mulkiest mulk there ever was. He's also known as the viewer's advocate. Steve Mulk is here. Search for Steve Mulk on the Twitters. Hello, Mulky. I'm watching Lego Masters. <laughs> Wait, just put your hand up when there's a commercial break so we know when you can talk. Sure, if I'm looking away, it's because I'm watching the builds. Mm. It's Benjamin so good. J Norris is his name on Twitter, but to us, he's just good old Ben. Hello, Benjamin, big brother Norris. <laughs> is that what I need to change my name at Depol for? You know, sounds like it's a really long name, but I will say one thing, and I'm really excited about tonight's episode or today's episode, and that is because normally, Rob, we are outnumbered by the Binge Box crew, and I believe we're going to have a special guest today, which is our friend Robbo. So uh, we're going to outnumber them for a change. Indeed. And he, like you are Benjamin Big Brother Norris, he's David Robbo Robinson and he loves that. So always refer to him as that. And of course, how could we forget? Well, we haven't forgotten. We just haven't gotten to him yet. The Viscount himself. It's Viscount Brookie, Stephen Brook. Hello, Brookie. Hi, Rob. Lucky last. Thank you for the honour. Well, you're like our um, special guest star, you know. Um, who was it? Uh, Heather Locklear in Melrose Place was special guest star every week. That's you, Honoured Mark. With yeah, that's the... you, Brookie. They're honoured with the comparison. I do need a little bit of help. I've been playing a lot of online Scrabble, starting to hate my friends when they beat me. So I need a bit of isotherapy. You wouldn't take that well at all, would you? No, no. Move on. Move on. All right, there is a lot to talk about, so let's get into today's news. And we begin with more bad news for the media sector, with News Channel 10 is closing the 10 Daily website and laying off staff. This news came through while we were on air with our video streaming program, The Ben Robin Robbo Show, and this is how journalist David Robinson broke the news. 
Well, uh, Beverly McGarvey, the Chief Programming Officer and now the uh, Vice President of CBS Viacom in Australia and New Zealand has just sent out uh, an email to staff saying that, you know, long-winded, of course, saying that the, the landscape has changed and things like that and there will be some redundancies. No idea exactly what departments will be targeted, but we do know right now breaking news is that 10 Daily uh, will cease operating on Friday. Now, that is a large amount of people. You're talking video editors, writers, journalists, producers, graphic designers... It's a huge operation. Remember, 10 Daily was only really launched, I think, a couple of years ago. This is a massive blow to the media here in Australia. And David Robinson, who has been across this story from the get-go, joins us now. Hi, Robbo. What else do you know about this developing story? Well, this has really been not uh, much communication dealt with staff. Now, you've got to understand that 80% of 10 staff uh, are, not, are working from home uh, and they've had no communication really from management. Uh, apart from that very cryptic and very vague uh, email from Beverly McGarvey and then uh, Ross Dagan, the head of news at 10, also gave uh, a speech today at 2pm, but weirdly only to Sydney staff. Uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, you know, Perth, Adelaide, it's a massive network no one else got that kind of attention, which I think is uh, a little bit worrisome, really, because everyone's kind of on tenterhooks, as we said on the uh, the Ben Robin Robbo show. Uh, when you've got an axe swinging above you and it's already cut 40 staff, so 40 staff uh, work on 10 Daily, they're all gone by Friday. When that axe swings or when it's hovering above your head, morale, morale is low. So to only give a speech to just Sydney is is really pretty poor, I think. Uh, we were expecting many more people uh, to fall by the wayside, unfortunately, at 10. We've got a lot of friends at 10, all of us do, uh, which is very sad, but we understand that uh, the axe has yet to complete its swing. Um, Friday will end. People are saying that uh, 10 Daily was blindsided. Uh, well, look, they were, but we've also got to say that we all know in television that um, that axe often swings much closer to home. So they've had four days or five days, uh, which is, you know, not to take away from their, their pain. But, you know, that, that's a lot longer than what a lot of other people get. The other thing as well, uh, my sources at 10 are telling me that they're reading all of this or they're hearing about of this from exterior media not from 10 itself. Uh, so 10 really has learnt, yeah, 10 has really learnt no lessons from the past uh, to do with this kind of retrenchment. I, I think there's going to be a lot of blood to come from now, Rob. It's interesting, Robbo, because we've been there when there have been redundancies in the past and it's a terrible experience. People start turning on, on themselves and there's just a sense of fear throughout the building. And then, of course, um, as you rightly pointed out today, that suddenly there's just lots of empty desks in the space and it looks like a ghost ghost town sometimes or it certainly did before 10 started rebuilding um it's interesting you said that there might be more cuts because dagan apparently said on set today that there wouldn't be any more cuts is your information different to that well, you, you've got to think if you're going to get rid of an entire website, so 40 people, and, and, and like you mentioned there again, it's a massive corner of Level 3 of Piermont. And you've got to understand that Level 3 of Piermont is 10 News First, it's Studio 10, uh, it's a lot of production there. So when you, you take out a corner, people automatically on Monday are going to go, oh my goodness. You, you've got to expect, though, in this, in this day and age, in this landscape, that 40 is not going to be enough, uh, especially for Network 10. Uh, so, you know, there, there's lots of stories going around that people have already left as well obviously those those details will come out over the next couple of days but th this is really tough times for 10 but i as we also said on the show today uh seven and nine they uh you know they're also going to be around the corner Malk even told us 
us on the show that they've done some kind of quiet redundancies. But, uh, Mock, do you think, though, that there will be some kind of heavy bloodshedding from what we've seen at 10 today? 40 people, obviously, or probably more. Mock, your thoughts? You'd have to expect that this is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and to be fair, we probably should have seen it coming uh, with the big announcement that that uh, Beverly McGarvey and Rod Prosser made to advertisers last week, uh, like a week to the day. Uh, zero mention of Ten Daily, other than some of its uh, you know passing stats. There was no real kind of push or emphasis around it. Uh, it's it's a shame because even you know in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes hour, uh, Kevin Perry uh, at tvblackbox.com.au has broken a story about Matt White, the, yeah. the network head of sport, being made redundant and and parting ways with with uh, which net- Ross Dagan says there'll be no further cuts, but then we hear Matt White's gone. So you know already that's turned out not to be true. Getting rid of Matt White really goes with the narrative uh, from 10 is that they're not going to compete for major sports. CBS has even made an announcement, I think, last year saying that they wouldn't go for sport. Uh, This seems to be the death knell for any kind of sport, really, on 10, with Matt White uh, being, you know, shown the door, really. Uh, He's a very big face, as we all know, a very big name, and was made the head of sport uh, last year. So I think that we're not going to see much sport on Network 10. You've really got to ask yourselves, what is CBS doing with Network 10? Is it just a tax write-off? Is it just to get that money back? You know, I'm, I'm really not sure. Well, they inherited something that they never intended to get. You know, that, it wasn't part of CBS's plan to get Channel 10, but they've inherited it in a way rather than losing all the money. Brookie, what strikes me about the 10 Daily thing so specifically, this was Bev McGarvey's baby. She was right behind. She was a big pusher of 10 Daily. Um you got to think they must they either must have been losing money or Channel 10's in some real problems to get rid of 10 daily that's a really personal chop for her well is it her chop we saw Paul Anderson leave and there was speculation that maybe he left because there was a disagreement with his powerful boss CBS Viacom boss Maria Kiriakou who runs the international division, I thought the reasons for launching 10 Daily were very sound. They wanted a website that was going to be a showcase for digital content around their key brands, MasterChef, which is on at the moment, and then later on The Bachelor, maybe Survivor, because they realised that episode recaps of these programs, particularly for The Bachelor series, were very popular. But what and when 10 Daily didn't exist, they all went to their competitors. They would be News.com, uh, Mamma Mia, who would run these caps uh, recaps. So 10 wanted a bit of that action. When when they came out, they said they wanted a website that would be young and fresh and modern, a bit like BuzzFeed or Punky or Mamma Mia. Uh, I think that there seems to have been a bit of silent cost-cutting lately because they did have quite a few columns early on by people such as... Christopher Pine, Sam Dastiari, Clementine Ford, they have not written for that website in weeks. One other thing I wanted to mention quickly, which might horrify Stan, was that very weird statement they put out saying how great 10 Daily was, but actually it's going to cease to exist as a standalone website. They said this was because they wanted increased emphasis on streaming services and social media. Well, social media is not a strategy for a television broadcaster. Does this mean that 10 are going to put into operation the long-mooted Viacom CBS plan 
to take more of its content in-house for 10 Play and 10 All Access, which would horrify Stan if they can't hold on to the Showtime contract. Mm. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to say something that's a little bit uh, controversial, and that is that I really do feel for the people that have lost their jobs, but when 10 Daily was launched... I really felt like they spoke about a point of difference that might have set them apart from some of the other things that they were competing against. And I don't feel like their point of difference was strong enough to really compete against the others. And in a landscape at the moment where things like BuzzFeed, which once were very popular, have failed, it just became a very competitive market. And to me, it seems like a lot of money was going into something that wasn't doing something that was that unique and didn't ever feel like it got to a point where it was a must-go-to website. And so, like, I absolutely want to just finish by saying that I feel for the people who lost their jobs and I hate that that's happening to an industry that I feel really passionate about, but I don't feel like they stepped up. And Lisa, you know, when I heard she was in charge of this or having a large part of this, Lisa Wilkinson, I thought she's going to bring something really fresh, which she has done to her magazines, and I, I, just, I just never felt her presence And I just never felt like it got to a place that warranted spending, you know, stupid amounts of money on. So I do agree, Ben. I think it was a management issue and that the management or the care and attention that was lavished or not lavished on this website meant that the quality was lacking uh, in often parts all over the place. And uh, I didn't feel there's a great sense of cross-promotion of 10 using its television and streaming platforms to back this service, which was unfortunate. The real challenge for, for 10 in all of this is that, at least from a public perception, and, and I know that the the when it comes to websites, unique visitors count, right? And at, at their peak, 1.3 million unique visitors a month is not 10 daily competing with any of the other serious, you know, sort of news or TV websites. Seven uh, over two in a much shorter amount of time. Yeah, it, look, it's it's that was always going to be pushing it up a hill. However, they had some great cross promotion from content obviously through to 10 daily and back even onto uh, the broadcast channel. And I think that a lot of their shows particularly benefited from um, and then content that the news team were generating. Now, the difficulty for 10 daily, if you want to try and see it as a self-supporting beast, it just wasn't drawing advertisers. There's lots of people can anecdotally say, we love 10 daily. We, we, you know, subscribe to their email newsletter. We, we check out all their content, share it online. That's great. Sharing stuff on social media does not bring clicks, does not bring the views that you need to to, to get advertisers interested in your product um, just by itself. There have to be other mechanisms, especially when you're a broadcast TV network. All true, Mog, but the question I have is in the statement where they say the digital media strategy is evolving. So... Clearly, there's some kind of cost-cutting element to this, but they're going beyond that. They're saying we want to change the emphasis for reasons I don't quite understand because I think everything that we've advanced about why 10 Daily existed was sound. Beverly made it clear in her email to staff, which is on the TV Black Box website, that this was not about COVID-19. This was plans already in place. And it felt like that. And in that same email, she said that Ten's move was to be platform agnostic. The best way that you do that is make sure you have a strong what does internet that mean? presence. Well, it means that you are not dependent on any one method or mechanism to deliver your story. 
So it means that if you're a broadcast network, you don't lean solely on the airwaves that travel through the air. You've got to have a strong digital presence, a good method to be able to back up and deliver your content and story bigger than just trusting people will plug the antenna cable into the thing in the wall that goes to the antenna on their roof. You've well, got to you be can't able to... be platform agnostic if you're axing one of your major platforms. Exactly my point, Brookie. That's, it just is gobsmacking that they've done this uh, in the midst of all of this, you know, kind of we're going to be like this, we're zigging when we should zag. Add to this the thing that should have died, um, 10 All Access, is somehow still breathing. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. And, and look, catch up is uh, an advertiser favourite at the moment, which explains why catch-up is still okay. But, yes, CBS All Access, I mean, 10 All Access, has not done well at all. Robert, oh, why don't you hang around? Uh, some good reporting there. Thank you for that. Why don't you hang around while we do the rest of the show and put in your two cents worth because we all love a chat. Meanwhile, a former executive of the Seven Network has been jailed after being found guilty of defrauding the network by eight million dollars. <laughs> AAP reports John Michael Fitzgerald was sentenced to five years in prison after pleading guilty to two counts of obtaining money by deception and four counts of dishonestly obtaining a financial advantage. A former commercial manager at Seven, Fitzgerald stole the money in a series of transactions between 2003 and 2016. A source at Seven told Kevin Perry at TV Black Box the company, and I quote, expressed regret at the breach of trust and that the court had recognised a clear breach of duty by a senior production accountant had occurred. A lot of employees still feel very let down by a senior colleague. Sarah, how did so much money get through the system before it was uncovered? Isn't this amazing? Well, I mean, at least he's not in Mallorca, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well played. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I remember, how much money did Skates take? I mean, had they not learnt their lessons? I mean, that it was guy... more the debt that he ran away from, wasn't it? No, he took all of our super. All of, I remember mum sitting me down when I was like 10 years old and being like, honey, your super's all gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I have no idea how um, a network doesn't realise that a senior person is stealing all of their money and building a lovely home. Um, and you, I'm just waiting for the third one now because apparently seven is not very smart. <laughs> I think megalomaniacs, though, you know, like they, they steal in bigger amounts. Like, Rob, if you were to steal something, you'd probably steal maybe a, your wife Amanda's computer or something. You know, that's the realms <laughs> that you'd swim in. Where it comes to this person, they're swimming in millions of dollars that they'd steal. You know what I'm saying? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, like he's a megalomaniac. He's Pinky in the brain. He's gonna I've think been called he can steal that maniac. Yeah, well, um, just ask Robbo. <laughs> <laughs> Previously on Dawson's Creek, maybe. Uh, but I think that with this particular case, it just seemed like this guy obviously thought he could get away with, you know, stealing that much money. I think it speaks to some of the executive culture in Seven at the time. You know, if you can, and admittedly he didn't steal $8 million at once, it was over time and there was a process involved and he got, look, to be frank, if you're stealing money to create a share portfolio, are you doing money stealing for the right reasons? God. Um, but, you know, he, he stole the money over time in pieces, little bits so that it would be noticed and it wasn't noticed for a long time. 
Well, this comes off the back of also some uh, sensitive news. Uh, this was a few years ago where Seven actually found out that they were spending $4 million on stationery. Wow. And they didn't know that they were spending such an exorbitant amount on, you know, your paper, your paper clips, your staplers and things like that. That came out of an audit. And that's, I think, possibly, this is a few years ago, possibly when that kind of information or that kind of idea started to go, well, yeah, that's right, $4 million in a pack of pens probably isn't uh, what we're thinking of, uh, and, and that was a, that was a very big deal. I, my understanding is that Seven knew about this for a long, long, long time before it happened, uh, and then decided to go after it. We've also got to remember, obviously, Amber Harrison as well, uh, where she was able to buy a lot of things in the corporate credit card thanks to Big Daddy Tim Warner. Um, and so, you know, th- th- it's kind of it's it's a worry for the Seven Network, especially in a time when media doesn't have any money and there's no oversight here to, to see these kind of really, really they didn't large have money. The, the company was swimming in cash. It was number one. And let's point maybe out... Maybe this is why they're not. Well, <laughs> no, but that, yeah, well, maybe. But the people running the show then have moved on, you know. So um, I, I think it's... We, we can't tar the current people running the company with that brush. Um, what is interesting is that the, the culture at Seven, and I do understand that why they might think we're not going to prosecute this in the early days because it's a um, corporate, uh, you know, like they're a publicly listed company and it causes all these ramifications and all these storylines. But, of course, they obviously reached a point where they had to chase the money. Uh, It's an interesting one. It causes issues around governance, which is why the share market starts to be concerned, because if that kind of thing can just happen, what's happening within the business? Look, without wanting to say that Fitzgerald is the good guy, to his credit, when he was approached about it and basically said, what are you doing? He fessed up. He gave, you know, police all of the documents that showed where he'd done it, how he'd done it, all those things. He has repaid the money in full. How? But good luck to him. Um, uh, and, you know, the judge in bringing down this ruling said that she wanted to make sure that a strong message was sent to white-collar criminals that this was not acceptable. That gives us that five-year um, uh, you know, a jail sentence that he's facing, he could be out in three, you know, based on parole issues. Um, and his current employer, because he obviously left seven, um, in the article that I read on the SMH said that, of course, we'd have him back. He does a great job. So it doesn't sound like the, that this guy is, you know, the hardened criminal. He, he absolutely did a bad thing. It sounds like he has learned and is continuing to learn the consequences of his poor choices and is making sure he's not doing it again. But I do think, as Robbo said, there were clearly management issues or yep. a lack of management scrutiny, both in Sydney and also apparently in Perth, where there was a regarded as underperforming for some time and they made mm. some management changes. So I don't think the seven ship was running as smoothly as it might have been Fair cool. over some of this period, which might have led to systems in place not being updated when they should have. Yeah. Foxtel has confirmed its highly anticipated new streaming service will launch next week. From Monday, May 25, the new dedicated entertainment streaming service will be available to the public featuring over 10,000 hours of content, including local and international dramas and movies. Our own Kevin Perry has revealed the name of the streamer is likely to be Binge, with Foxtel registering the name and logo trademarks recently. Ben, has this got you excited? 
Well, I was going to say, I'd been going through my streaming services recently and granted I was really hungover, but I <laughs> couldn't find anything to watch. And you know what I thought to myself? I really need another streaming service. I need a streaming service that talks to me. So I can't keep up. We're, you're meant to be <laughs> making a show each day. You're doing the Ben Robert and Robbo show and you're about uh, to do a breakfast show on Ticket TV. How are you finding the time to watch television? <laughs> well, what I do is I drink a stupid amount of alcohol on Friday <laughs> evening to get over how much work I do. And then I spend all of Saturday with my partner saying, get out of bed and stop watching reruns of whatever crap you're watching. <laughs> and that's this is basically my life. But I mean, like, a lot of Australians, I think that we uh, have a hangover day or a day where we need to switch off. And I think that there, are, there is a niche for still more streaming services. So bring it on. Uh, even as recent as in the last hour, Rob, Kevin Perry has confirmed that the new service will be called Binge. Uh, and get this, we know that it's launching next Monday. Um, that's like a week. They're not briefing the media fully on it until Friday, ahead of Saturday, when they launch it to market to start on Monday. Now, I get they've been working on the Project Aries for some time and testing it recently. It all feels a little bit rushed at this end. What is the strategy here? Is this to try and attract new people people who aren't customers of News Corp products, or is it a defensive strategy, realising they're losing a lot of people from Foxtel proper to try and present them with a lower-cost option where they can downgrade the amount of money they're paying from Foxtel but still stay within the News Corp profit net? I reckon it's column A column B and column C, Brookie, they've seen the writing on the wall as restrictions are starting to lift their window of opportunity for people to you know, want to, buy, to, to put their money on the counter and buy the service is slipping away because as restrictions open up, people will absolutely want to get out more and not sit down in front of the TV and binge stuff. Ask a flasher, actually, you know, people who flash people, you just got to flash them and then you've, you know, you've got to do that and run. So like, look, I think that's what they're doing. They've, they've given us a flash and then they're going to run. So there's a captive audience in right you... this week and it might be going at the end of May or it might be going at the end of June. Yeah. So let's make hay while the sun shines. Yes. Forget my flashing thing. So move on. <laughs> All right. Channel 7 is ramping up the publicity for Big Brother as the launch date gets closer. Over the weekend, we met two new housemates, both with media careers, which has become a common trait with the casting of this series. But Chad Hurst, a model, and Sophie Budak, a former Olympic gymnast, have a very special relationship, according to our sources. Ben, it looks like we have a couple of lovebirds. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've heard that from a few people as well. I think that they look very good together, so it was smart for Seven to release them at the same time. Uh, apparently, yeah, there's a bit of a romance that happens and Big Brother does that well. So, you know, for for a series that's going to be challenge-based, I think it's great to have a little bit of a romance. I mean, I was a little bit interested in Lockie and Lockie hooking up with someone on Survivor and then you get The Bachelor. So, like, you know, reality TV is a good stomping ground for us to fall in love with people as they fall in love. Indeed. Um, but you've had a bit of mail about a top secret screening that took place today for the first episode of Big Brother. That's right. Uh, so people have seen that first episode and there is some extreme disappointment with this Ooh. series. Uh, unfortunately, 
this has led to them commissioning more people. So they've just borrowed some editors now off MasterChef and Ninja Warrior. What? And they're now doing some recutting. And, you know, before we just jump up and down and say, oh, God, this this ship has more holes in it, you know, it's a pre-recorded show and sometimes when you have this much time and you want something to succeed, you know, you, you just keep, you know, you refine it. it. And I've got yeah. no problem with that. Um, I, I've recut things a million times. I can tell you 60 minutes, 60 minutes, I would go in on a Wednesday and watch the stories to make the promos. And by the time I saw that story on air, it was completely different, so much more watchable. I remember being, seriously, there was one story. It was Carl Stefanovic with Delta Goodrum, I think. And the story just, uh, I was beside myself. I did, I, like, how the hell do I promote this? It, the mm. story was crap. And <laughs> then I watched it off air and I was transfixed. It was amazing. What they had done in the edit was just so compelling, so amazing. And even at Studio 10, I, Rob, I will remember, if I came in in the morning and a story had been cut overnight that I didn't like, I would actually jump in the edit suite and recut the story. But <laughs> yeah, annoying. I, I, what's, you yeah, know what's I've been on the receiving end of that many, many times. <laughs> yeah. Uncle it Zaddy McKnight didn't like the story and went in there. And we, and we had some choice words, very loving words. But the edit was always, always. better. Well, I'll paint a picture for you because this is what I was told. And that is that if you're a fan of Survivor, you're probably going to really like this. Yes, it is produced by Amelia Fisk and, you know, she's got a successful show on Channel 10 Survivor. Apparently it's very similar. So you're going to get a shot of all the housemates up front. You're probably going to get introduced to these uh, housemates over the first three episodes. So it isn't going to be your stock standard big brother where Sonia Kruger is going to give them all a little, you know, two minutes and then send them in. You know, storylines will already be estab- being established. Challenge will be on the way and someone will be evicted in the first episode. So, you know, anything that you have expected from what you thought Big Brother was from before, throw that out the window and basically realise that, as we said and quoted six months ago, it is Survivor in a warehouse. I totally hear all of that. The challenge always is how the market are going to accept it, right? That's the ratings the next morning are what it's going to be. We already know there are tons of people that are excited about this and and the Survivor Big Brother thing. I totally get that an edit, a good edit can punch a show up. To me, it always feels like that, you know, when you're re-editing an already edited thing, it starts to feel a bit, "Mm, maybe. Um, I know know it gets better. There's always the opportunity. Um, The challenge is going to be winning over the hardcore Big Brother fans that are not keen on the whole Survivor in a Warehouse vibe because they are the lifeblood. They are the ones that hang on for every episode. And while we may see big Mm -hmm. numbers for episode one, I reckon, and I've not seen a minute, I'm certainly going to watch at least the first week solid. Um, I don't think that there'll be many eyeballs return the second and third nights. Well, we can't say that without seeing it. Do you know what's really outrageous? Just the, it's the buzz, right? It's the vibe. Mm. That's what I'm sticking out of here. Yeah, fair enough. I, I do think that's fair enough. And I think there's a lot of hardcore fans that are uncertain about this series for sure. You're 100% right on that. I did get really arrogant today and I feel really stupid. No, not you, Ben. I'm shocked. Shocked. I am a little outspoken, but considering I had Amelia Fisk's mobile number, I texted her an hour ago yes. and I feel like I should read this out and maybe... Uh, the oh, editor. what have you said? Here we go. we got to get ready to cut this out. Hi, Amelia. 
I hope you're well. I had an email sent to me today from somebody. Apparently the first episode was screened today and the response wasn't great. So editors from MasterChef and Ninja have been commissioned to help. I know this may sound ridiculous, but I'm a diehard fan of the show. And if you want some feedback, I'm happy to sign an NDA and offer you some opinions. I love Big Brother and I come from a good place. Hopefully you can see that I have held off with, t- with me at TV Black Box revealing further housemates and that I'm not, not some sort of troublemaker. Is there anything I can do to help Amelia? <laughs> what did she say? Uh, she read it. Uh, and, uh, Sarah, what do you reckon? Do you reckon she wrote back? No. <laughs> Did you say hell no? She, I think she just ignored you. <laughs> My, Brookie, am I insane? What do you, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, Having Steven said Brooke, that, it's not a stupid idea because what happens, and, and here's the thing. So my understanding is Channel 7 haven't seen it. What we're talking about here is uh, Endemol Shine Australia. So they're trying to get this show right before they take it to 7. They're in a bubble. The people who have been making it are in their bubble. So they've now expanded that bubble and shown other people and gotten the reactions. What would be interesting for them is for them to show it to people like us that do like Big Brother and like the history, but also are interested and keen to see it going forward. I would happily watch it under an NDA and give honest feedback. 100% same. Yeah, you know. What, what, what are you seriously, you are the executive editor-in-chief of TV Black Box and you would, you would sign an NDA and watch a show and then uphold that NDA and not talk or write about it for your readers. Well, to be honest, they'd actually be quite smart if they got me to do that because it would stop yep. all the stories we print. <laughs> uh, exactly right. That is also my point. I think you, you journalists cannot be joiners. You're either here to serve your readers and listeners and tell them to the fullest extent what you know. No, but you would obviously do a deal where you could do a review of it in the days leading up, and hopefully the review is positive. It's my genuine hope this series is great, Brookie. I would love it to be great, and I really want it to work. Um, But, God, I'm desperate to see it. I'm so (laughs) desperate to see it. So, yes, throw the journalistic integrity out the window. I'm signing the end. Baby, <laughs> anyway, I believe you. I actually believe that you would watch it and live, you know, you would abide by the NDA. NDA oh, if I say I'm not going to do yeah. something, I give yeah. my word. That's it, you know, like, uh, you, I have a lot of faults, but if I Chrissy Swan word, said to me today, or yesterday it was, I think, and she said, Rob McKnight, he's the hardest working executive producer in show business. Why wouldn't you want someone like that to put their eyes on Big Brother and give a helping hand three weeks before it gets seen? Just hey, um, Ben, you <laughs> dropped something. <laughs> you want me to pick it up? Please. Come on, as if I haven't been insane enough on this podcast tonight. All right. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Before we leave the news section, we need to mark an important occasion. As Aaron Ryan from TV Black Box exclusively revealed this week, the force behind the line comes to a close on Tuesday, May 19th, with its final ever episode for the Seven Network. The show has been an important part of Seven scheduling for many years and combined with border security proved an unstoppable hit during the noughties. There's not many Australian shows that can lay claim to running for 15 years, but the force has done that. Brookie, it's a hell of an achievement. 
It's an amazing achievement and about 118 episodes of this observational documentary series. It tended to be, I think, that Border Security got the lion's share of the attention, but possibly a bit unfairly in a way. It was quite groundbreaking when it came out, a massive ratings hit. It was the WA Police Force that agreed to allow these cameras from Seven. Executive producer Dan Meehan deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. Uh, for the quality of this program. Uh, a person who quite unexpectedly, I think, we should also be praising was the WA Police Commissioner at the time, Carl O'Callaghan, because the police were not very... Um, the police were not enthusiastic about this project whatsoever. Lawyers were especially looking to block the whole idea... But he was keen and he said he thought that the program gave a great opportunity to give the community a better understanding of the good and bad parts of policing. I don't think there are going to be many people in public service within the police who would have taken on that attitude. And we've got, you know, a hundred more than 100 episodes over a very long time period. This show has also travelled to the United States to give us an insight into what happens on the front line of policing in Australia. Yeah, a great, great achievement. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with the one and only Sarah. Thanks, Rob. One of Australia's most prolific drama creatives has chosen to leave the Nine Network. Joe Rooney was one of the two heads of drama at the Nine Network. She's overseen dramas such as Sea Change, Underbelly, House Husbands, and many, many more. <laughs> Former narrator of Big Brother, Mike Goldman, is kicking goals in the field of acting. The much-loved voiceover man revealed his new project during an episode of Eye on Big Brother podcast. It's called it's called Clickbait uh, with Adrian Grenier from um, Entourage. It's being shot in Melbourne. I was supposed to shoot it a couple of weeks ago, but they'll they'll change that date. The book that laid bare all the backstage bitching of The View is set to be turned into a miniseries. Ladies Who Punch, the exclusive inside story of The View, was a New York best-selling Times book, and producers say A-list actresses will play the roles of Barbara Walters and Co. And it's a sad farewell as we mark the passing of Fred Willard. The iconic actor and comedian died of natural causes aged 86. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, sport is coming back, but a shake-up is looming when it comes to sporting rights. Rookie will take us through the latest details. Plus, we'll open the TV Black Vault to get the latest goss on the TV industry. TV Black Box, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Too many channels, too many choices. What the hell should I watch? They are the cries from living rooms all around the country, but fret not, Australia. We're here to help. Join me, Dan Bennett, plus Steve Mock, Joe Casamento, and Stephen Brook as we clap, slap, group binge, and rewind our way through the best and worst of what's on the box in our brand new podcast, TV Binge Box. And we want you to be a part of the show too. 
Find out how you can become a binge boxer and get all the latest from a bunch of pyjama-clad TV tragics with brand new episodes every Thursday. And yes, you can catch the binge box every Thursday morning in your podcast feed. Uh, Special episode this week, Rob. We're having a TV quiz. Hooray! Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that's something we do here on TV Black Box. You can't take it over to your other love. Uh, We have more fun at the binge box. We're a promiscuous podder. No (laughs) way. (laughs) Outrageous. Outrageous. We know you all like doing the binge box more. But the (laughs) quiz is the TV black box owned and copyrighted thing. We're not communist China, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm very disappointed. No, because you're going to have a great time. You're going to be able to play along Mm. as everyone else at home. I'm under a lot of pressure to make it easy. And guess what? (laughs) I'm making it hard. (laughs) <laughs> Good. Oh, All right. Hey, um, Brookie, let's talk about the big issue this week, sporting rights. There's a lot of reports going on, a lot of stories. Tell us what's happening. Things are moving, but it's still one of the great unknowns, Rob. What is the future of sport on TV in Australia post-COVID-19? We know the major codes are restarting soon, NRL at the end of May, mid-June for the AFL. But what has become clear is that the value of sport and the sporting rights is going to be a lot less when the air clears. There's been so much argy-bargy over the past couple of weeks with the Rugby League. Nine's threatened to walk away. They've made all sorts of statements about how it's got to work for them economically. But it looks like a Rugby League deal is just days away. Nine has fought hard to get a discount for this year. It looks like that's happening The new deal between the NRL 9 and Foxtel looks like that discount rate will extend to the final two years of the contract, which runs out in 2022. But in addition to that, there could be a deal for a further number of years with the cash-strapped NRL thankful to get some certainty. Now, the new chairman of Rugby Australia, Hamish McLennan, popped up this week. He's a former ad man who's also run both 10, and he chairs News Corp's REA online real estate business. He's saying that rugby is open to TV offers and it will sign a broadcast deal somehow. That's going to be hard. Foxtel walked away in a huge huff when the Rugby League rejected its offer. 10 has said it's not really interested. Rugby is just going to be one of these second-tier sports, such as the soccer, that's going to find it increasingly difficult to land broadcast deals in this new world. Throughout it all, though, one sport has kept going, that is racing, and there's a bit of a fight between 10 and 7 for some Melbourne racing carnival properties. 10 snatched the Melbourne Cup from 7 in a five-year, crazy money, $100 million deal, but now it wants a bit of critical mass. It wants to add some other races to that, so it's offering about $25 million over five years, but it might not get it. Seven could win this little bout with a lower counteroffer as it's involved in this Racing.com joint venture with Racing Victoria. Uh, and it's been moving Racing Meets onto its main channel during the pandemic, and the ratings have been good. 
The other issue, of course, is telcos and streaming services, which were meant to be the great white hope to boost prices for these properties, but that doesn't look like that is happening. And when sport does return this year, it's going to be without spectators and sorely lacking in atmosphere. I just don't know what impact all of that's going to have on TV ratings, but one thing is certain, things are never going to be the same again. So, Malk, are you anticipating viewers are going to welcome the league and the AFL back with open arms, or do you think that we've got used to not having them and the return is going to underperform? Oh, I think that there are absolutely there's a large portion of the sports watching market that are just hanging out to see some, you know, AFL NRL land on their screens. Um, desperately so. It, and, and because they're winter sports, right? We're coming into winter, they're so keen to see it. So I think that we'll see a chunk of people deliriously happy. I think that there will be uh, some people that might be, we've kind of moved on. You know, with the weird sort of start-stop that we've seen this season, there'll be people that step away from it. And there'll also be some loud critics who land on it and say they shouldn't be back yet. We shouldn't be doing that yet. Um, I hope for all concerned that the right amount of people start watching and that the money starts to flow through to all of the right places because everybody is crying about being cash-strapped. Well, Robbo, we may well restart these sports, but what's the likelihood given that uh, one positive test will throw everything into chaos, that both sports get through their allotted season unscathed without some sort of major disruption. I, I really don't think that we will. I think that a major major disruption is really on the cards here. We're, we're waiting for that second wave that we keep being told about. Uh, do I understand that people want to get it back on telly? Do I understand that uh, telly wants to get it back on? Do I understand that sport wants to get it back on? Of course I do. But I really don't think that they're going to be immune. Uh, South Australia, for example, has said uh, that they won't allow uh, their AFL teams to come back into the state without going through quarantine. Uh, that's a very important thing to note. Well, uh, I mean, so it means I, I, that if you want to run the competition, you have to transfer those South Australian and probably the Western Australian teams to alternate venues somewhere in Victoria or New South Wales and have footballers away from their families working with no possibility of contact for months. Yeah, which which I really don't think would work. We spoke about that on the Ben Robin Robbo show. It, I really don't think it would work from the perspective of uh, mental health. I also think uh, that you, you just can't guarantee that such a high contact sport will will work. I really think that Nine is right on this to say, look, we're not going to pay top dollar. Uh, we want to revisit it. We don't need it, which is what you know Hugh Marks has come out and said, which is very brave of him, I think, especially considering that Nine has been you know the the home of NRL for so. Said, if it's not on this year, we're going to save $120 million. Yeah, but I I, <laughs> wow. I, I I understand that. But I also think that surely they would make, out of a normal season, they would make a lot more than $120 million. Uh, surely it's in... No, the their... Rugby League is actually a loss leader for nine, but they have it for a lot of other reasons because it um, gets advertisers on board that then leads yeah. into other things. It gives them ratings. It, and and that, this is yeah. the point where then, Marks is at the moment. I think we're getting to the point where networks aren't prepared to have lost leaders. 
Which, which I understand that, of course, but uh, but obviously, as you're saying, when it leads into other advertising, that must mean that they not, might not be making the money directly off the NRL, but they're making money off it indirectly. So surely it's it's a good property to own. Um, but I think they're right in saying that, well, we're not going to pay the same top dollar. Uh, we, we've seen exorbitant prices paid for sport in Australia over the last couple of years, um, which I think this is kind of a, you know, a good reset. Sarah, yeah. I do not know your attitude to sport, but one thing is certain. <laughs> I do. Watching any sporting event with no crowds there whatsoever is much worse a TV viewing experience than having the stadiums full. Just do close-ups of the the game and stop showing the crowd. But we were out yesterday because they've they've opened up Texas, so we actually went out and had lunch, and we ended up in a a place that had a TV, two TVs. One was showing football, and one was showing baseball. And we were trying to work out if it was live or replays because it was a full stadium. And but most of the the first shots were just, and we're like, oh, it must just be an empty stadium. They must have gone to play. And then it was like, oh, nope, no social distancing in that crowd at all. But I mean, if you just just show the game. I don't need to see who's in the crowd and who's cheering. Just do close-ups of the actual game, and who cares if people are in the stadium? But won't it be silent and boring? No, I mean you can. Crowds just... do add atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's well, like yeah. it's like having you know friends without a laugh track. Well, add oh, one. I'd prefer it. I'd prefer friends without a laugh track. Because yeah, friends don't isn't tell funny. me when to laugh. Hang on a sec. Wait a minute. No, I need to show. I need a laugh track to tell me when to laugh. Otherwise, I don't know. I get confused. This is going to be critical to the return of the NRL and the AFL. The fact that fans can't go. There will be no atmosphere in those stadiums. And even hardcore fans were talking about it at the start of the season when they did, like the NRL, AFL got a couple of games out. They just said with empty stadiums, it's not the same. So a whole season and, like and that it, would be and detrimental. And it will put the players off as well. Yes. So the game won't be as good, Rob, don't you think? Oh, I completely agree. But there's a whole lot of information in your explainer there, you know, including the deals with Hamish McLennan. It's quite interesting how that will play out when he's doing deals with 10. You know, the ex-CEO of 10 dealing with uh, Beverly, Beverly McGarvey and, and, mm. and no head of sport. So, you know, with Matt White gone, who's who's actually doing the sporting deals and, and how much does 10 want sport? There's a whole lot to play out here. And, uh, and, and even 10 wanting to get into racing and maybe not getting that, even though they're willing to pay a higher price because of the racing deal. I mean, it's almost harks back to not quite in the same way of when Tennis Australia wouldn't give the rights to nine, even though nine were offering, or sorry, wouldn't give the rights to 10 when they were offering a higher price. Um, and there's a whole investigation going on into that at the moment. Yeah. Well, did that not happen when James Warburton was at 10 and 10 oh, offered yes. a price for the NRL and somehow it still ended up on 9 and Foxtel? Yeah, because um, McLennan, and, and also when McLennan was there, he was making big plays for things and, um, you know, ended up turning the big bash around, which is what we're hearing he's going to do with the rugby union. Uh, which well, that is his great calling card, isn't it? The success mm. of the big bash when it was yes. on 10 in that early period. And look. Uh, that will be a magic act. Joe Casamento made reference on the TV Binge Box podcast to how the Big Bash had completely failed to fire under seven and her family mm. was just not interested. Mm. 
Very interesting how it all changed within the space of one season. Mm. It wasn't even a drop-off. It just completely lost its pizzazz straight away. Uh, well, Brookie, that was fascinating. We don't often talk sport much on this podcast, but uh, that there's so much we could talk about that for a lot longer, actually, but we are running out of time because uh, can you hear that, Craig? Oh, God. This Friends, what, what we need segment. to do here is we need to do some kind of crowdsourcing to get some money for some no. special sound effects because no. that's bullshit. And one of my favourite things each week is doing that sound effect live because it's terrible and I love it. Rob McKnight, hang on, just chill for a second here, right? On-air production meeting. You put us through the <laughs> effing ringer to make sure it sounds good, that yes. everything works fine. You've Absolutely. got the magical four-screen thing behind you yep. and you're happy with you going, creep. <laughs> Every time we open the bloody TV, okay. you know, I, Robbo I, taught me this. So Robbo, Robbo taught me this last week and it's a really valuable lesson to learn and that sometimes it's the theatre of it that makes it work. And I feel like the theatre in that creaking sound is hilarious. So it kind of works. I've kind of got an idea. Are you a voiceover actor who's fallen on hard times? <laughs> to show off your talents, contact us at the TV And do a creak. (laughs) (laughs) We need a creak. Anyway, we've completely gone off the... No, my favourite segment. Ben, Ben, come on, come on. What you got? Ben, the door is open. It's been weeks since Brookie's been flirting with me on this podcast. Anyway, I'm just joking, by the way, Brookie. I know that you're not serious. Anyway, starting off with number three. Sorry, number number three. Number one. Number one. I think I've put him off. (laughs) Well, can you see? Because I've got HD footage that I'm I'm blushing. So, yeah, you kind of did. Anyway, um, number one. Stop wearing those skimpy uh, tank tops that you love so much, Brookie. (laughs) (laughs) Number one. Three times the charm for one reality TV hopeful, this Aussie male almost landed a spot on a show for Channel 9 last year, and now he will finally get to fulfil his reality TV dreams. I wonder what's changed. Ooh. Fascinating. Number two. Coronavirus shut this popular show down before it could reach its season finale. And rumour has it, the show won't be picking up where we originally, where they originally, where they originally intended to leave off, including some, including one storyline that means one character won't be returning. Ooh, what? Well, that's got to be a soap. Well, Closer each day. Yeah, that's oh what man, I they're yep. gay. Do you remember when Home and Away only had like a whole cast of gay men? Like, they're all playing straight people. Does anyone remember this? No? Anyway. No. Your third item. <laughs> people are like, I gotta go to bed. Sarah's gonna start her day. Number three, a major network is fumbling at the 11th hour as one of its potential celebrity cast has pulled the pin. The network is trying to keep it hush-hush in fear that they will be overloaded with D-grade celebrities crawling over themselves to fill this person's space. Oh, I've got a a tasty idea of what show that might be. Uh, Yeah. Please don't be tasty. (laughs) Okay, so we've got... Okay, I'm just going to quickly say, does anyone feel like they've got a handle on any of those three? No. Last one is I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. No. Incorrect. All right, can you hear that? And that is closing the TV Black Belt for another week. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. David Robinson, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been a long time dream and it's been wonderful. Thank you. Well, you you may come again. I'd like to make dreams come true. 
I thought he was good. Can he come again? <clears throat> I'm sure he can. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this up because we are getting silly, silly, silly. All right, Benjamin, Sarah, Brookie and Mulk, thank you very much. We'll see you next week on the TV Binge Box. Oh my oh. <laughs> we'll see you next week on the TV Black Box. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sound, I remember being on that show. We've all got to fulfill our dreams. I've never even done that show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.